Well, guys, I, I'd be honest with you. I am a little overwhelmed this morning. Uh, it is so good to be here with you guys and to uh, just have this. Take that picture off. Don't be distracted by my wife the whole time. And she's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's good to be here. It really is. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Ours was good. That's why my shirt is unbuttoned this morning because of the quantity of food. Everybody was very excited to feed me over Thanksgiving. So that was good. Um, yeah. It's overwhelming to be here, honestly, in some ways, because just seeing so many, I won't say old faces, familiar faces, uh, that, man, we love you guys so much, and uh, it's so good to be here with you. It's so awesome to see so many new faces as well that are here and part of the, the, the fellowship here at Emmaus, and so I'm really thankful that Pastor Ron and Pastor Michael gave me the opportunity to, to be able to share with you guys a little bit uh, this morning. Um, you know, right before our family left for Ecuador, this is a little embarrassing for me to admit, but um, I sat right here on this stage right here and I cried like a little baby. And the reason I cried was about this much sadness and a whole bunch of gratitude to the Lord. You know, he, the Lord allowed our family to, to truly grow up in many ways in this church and to be able to, to serve this church and we love this church. And we love you guys. And so I was just overwhelmed with gratitude. And so to be able to be here this morning and share with you guys is, is truly a privilege. And I'm really excited to, to be able to share with you guys a little bit this morning. Um, before we get into the text this morning that the, the pastors asked me to share from in Matthew 18, I just want to give you guys a little update about how things are going in Ecuador. And the short of the longest, things are going amazing. You know, there's a verse, there's a, there's a prayer uh, for the Ephesians, and it says in there that God would do far more than all we could ask or imagine. And I feel like that's just exactly what's been happening in Ecuador. You know, when we left, we had this idea of how things might be, what they might look like, what God might do, but he just continues to, to do far more than we could have even asked or imagined. And so, you know, when we left and went down there, our, our heart and our goal was to advance the kingdom of God, to let people hear the good news of Jesus and, and just really bless the people of Ecuador however God would see fit. And we've been able to do that in a whole bunch of different ways. And we also prayed that God would help us and allow us to be able to build a, a team of Ecuadorians that could um, just move forward, proclaiming the good news of Jesus in different parts of the country and then eventually beyond. And so this last year, even early off, God blessed us. There's a, a couple that we've known for years since this church started going to Ecuador in 2015. Uh, we met a couple there, Javi and Evelyn are their names. And, and by God's goodness and faithfulness, they are now part of the Emmaus Global missions team and working alongside us. And so that is awesome. We've been able to uh, help a family that lives really close to us, about 45 minutes, a, a family from Ecuador that is planting a little church in a community called Tabacundo. Uh, we've been able to come alongside them and are helping them to, to plant a church in that community. And God's been so good in that. And it's an official church now because we put a sign up the week before we left. So that's how you know things are serious, you know. Um, there, we've been able to have partnerships with some ministries from here in the United States and other churches that have been coming and sending teams to work with us and, and share the good news of Jesus, but also meet physical needs of people. We've been able to distribute hundreds of water filters and communities to families that don't have clean drinking water and, and using that as a tool to be able to share the gospel and distribute Bibles and audio Bibles. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a group from Indiana come and do a, a medical mission trip and we were able to screen hundreds 
hundreds and hundreds of people for health issues and it was really beneficial to people that otherwise would have never known about some of the health issues they had going on. There's just been a whole host of things, honestly. But God has been so, so good to us. And while we've been there, there's been funny moments. There, I mean, just learning a language is crazy, right? And so it's very humbling also, honestly. I was out at a restaurant one night and I was trying to talk to the waiter and order food and what I ended up telling them is that I was going to eat my children. <laughs> Honest mistake, you know, they, they were very confused and their eyes looked at me and I meant I was gonna eat my children's food but I said I was gonna literally eat my children. But hey, uh, so there's been a million funny moments we've had while we've been there. There's been some scary moments too, to be honest with you. Uh, there's been some moments where um, I was kind of freaking out a little bit. We had an incident well, one month after we'd been there on my youngest daughter's birthday. We're driving down the road and a, a lady that was high as a kite on something stumbles out in the street and by God's faithfulness was able to swerve and miss her without hitting the car next to me. But my mirror, my mirror on the side of the car hit this lady's arm and she was okay. But the police came and all the people started saying all these lies about that I tried to hit her and blah, 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 and all this different stuff. And the police came and said, either you pay this amount of money or you're going to jail. And uh, I was like, oh my goodness. And so I'm talking to the police and I go back up to the car where my wife and our kids are. And apparently one of the kids had just asked, is daddy going to jail? And mom's like, no. And I walk up and like, well, they're threatening to take me to jail. And then, of course, the tears are flowing on my daughter's birthday. She won't forget that one. But thank thankfully, I had enough money to pay the bribe and get out of there. But it was scary, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but more than the funny moments and the scary moments, there's been a million God moments. Um, and, you know, we've been able to do some really neat stuff. And, and I can share a lot of stories with you guys. But I think for us, the... Probably the, the most enjoyable part about ministering there is actually no different than ministering here. It's seeing people with tears coming down their face and their eyes open to the reality that, that Jesus is who he says he is. And he really loves them and he wants to have a relationship with them and, and, and meet those deep down needs that each and every one of us have and answer those biggest questions that all of us have. The, the fact that Jesus is the truth, right? He's the way, the truth, the life. And when people see that and their eyes are open and, and they come to Jesus, there's nothing greater. There really isn't. And that's no different in Ecuador than it is here in Springfield, Missouri. And so it has been a true pleasure to be able to serve um, in Ecuador. And I want to say thank you to you guys. Because if it wasn't for this church, Emmaus Global Missions wouldn't exist. Our family wouldn't be down there. Um, but God had a plan from the beginning. He, he really did. And so uh, I just say thank you to you guys. Emmaus Church here is the single largest financial donator to our ministry and everything that happens down there. And, you know, so for, because of your guys' faithfulness and, and giving and tithing to this church, we're able to do the things that we're doing there. And that's a direct um, benefit or, a, a, you know, that's because of you guys' faithfulness in that. So thank you guys for your faithful, faithfulness in that and for praying for us and sending people down. It's a true, true blessing. It really is. So know you're making a difference. You're making a difference here in Springfield, and you're making a, a difference overseas as well. All right, let's get into the, to the meat and the potatoes, if you can handle any more meat and potatoes. Um, this morning, Pastor Ron and Michael asked me to share Matthew 18, 
uh, 10 through 14. So if you want to flip in your phones or open your Bible or just look on the screens, that's where we will be this morning. And I, if I understand right, you guys jumped ahead last week, so this is going in reverse a little bit, but that's where we will be this morning. And it says this in Matthew 18, 10 through 14. It says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Just like we are singing, your, your goodness, your faithfulness, your kindness is always running after us. And Father, quite simply this morning, I pray that, that you would... Just speak to us like only you can, Father. I pray that our hearts, our minds would be just open and eager to receive what you, Holy Spirit, have for us this morning. And, and I pray that we'd all be just really honest with ourselves. Lord, I know you want to do something in each and every one of our hearts and our lives this morning. That we'd walk away from, from studying your word, your truth, in a way that, that we are changed, that we are different than when we came here, Father. We're not just here for the, for the social aspect, but we're here to meet with you, Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, this time is yours. Just do with it as you please. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a few of you who are here this morning who are the observant type. There's no doubt in my mind, and as we are reading that scripture, as you're looking in your Bibles, you might have noticed that something is missing. Some of you guys are like, what? Huh? I didn't notice anything. Verse 11. I don't know if you notice, but in most translations, verse 11 is not there. And so I don't want you guys to be looking in your Bible thinking, I bought a bad Bible. They obviously misprinted this thing. Verse 11 is not there. And in many translations, it isn't. And here's the reason why. Some of you are like looking like, oh, I never knew that. I didn't notice that. Not the observant type. Okay. Um, so here's the deal with it. In the earliest manuscripts that we have of Matthew, verse 11 was not actually there. And so that is why it's left out of most modern English translations, okay? Um, it doesn't change the meaning whatsoever, the context, the, the whole heart of what's going on, but it is left out because in the earliest manuscripts, it's not there. So, if, for example, in the English Standard Version, it's not in there. In the NIV, it's not in there. But in some others, it could possibly be there. And what it would say, if you had it, it would say, uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And you know what? Throw that in there, and that's actually what you see in, in Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If you throw it in there, it doesn't change anything, honestly, it just enhances it. And many scholars think that it was put in there at some point to just drive home the point and make it work more in harmony with what you do read in Luke. So uh, I, I hope you know, like always in this church, I'm not afraid to answer hard questions and not going to skip over things. But that's not in there, and that is the reason why, okay? Um, so it's not that, you know, some people are like, I knew it. The Bible, you can't trust it. They just take things out and throw it away and do whatever. That's not what's going on here this morning. It doesn't change a thing. Um, our text this morning, it's a parable. 
It's a parable, and I know you guys have been going through lots of parables, and there's a, a, a wise guy from a long time ago named Warren Wiersbe, and he described a parable like this, and it'll be on the screen. He said a parable is this. It's a picture that becomes a mirror and then a window, and that we gaze at the scene or we see the story in the parable, we see ourselves, and then we see truth. And that is my hope and my prayer as we study and look through this parable today is that as we see it, we look through there, we gaze at the scene, the story, and we see and understand the picture, what's going on. We see how we fit into that in our lives, and then we learn a truth that God's trying to convey to us, and then we move forward differently or with a greater understanding of what God desires for us as a result of it. So let's dive in. Verse 10, it says this. It says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And so what it's saying right off the bat here in verse 10, it's telling us that it is important that we love each other well. It's saying, do not despise one of these little ones. And if you remember when it's talking about little ones, what it's referring to is children of God, believers, followers of Christ. At the very beginning of Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talked about the little children, the little ones, and how they are to come to him. And so here when it's talking about that, it's referring to believers. And it says, do not despise one of these little ones, one of my children. And in fact, the Greek word for despise there is katophroneo, which means to think little of someone. And really what this is doing is showing, once again, like all of Scripture does, how much God thinks of his children, how much he loves his children who are made in his image, right? And he's saying, how dare you? Don't even think about looking down on one of my children, speaking poorly of one of my children because they are mine and I love them and I care about them. Do not look down upon somebody else who is a child of God. Treat them well, love them well. And here's the reality, guys, you know this. I mean, look across this room, we're all weird people, am I right? There are people in here who normally in the, in the ways of the world would never mix together. That's just the reality of it. There's Chiefs fans, which are the saints here, okay? The saints, not so saintly, okay? Um, but there's people who would never mix together, and it's easy because our world says when people think differently than you, they look differently than you, they, they speak differently than you, they, they have a different political uh, belief system than you, whatever it might be, that you talk bad about those people. You look down upon them. But God's saying, those are my children. Don't do it. Don't despise another believer. They are my children. In fact, if you remember in John 13, verse 34, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That's the standard and that's God's heart. Right? How do we know that God loves us? He's sacrificed for us. He's gracious with us. He's patient with us. He's merciful to us. And guess what? That's how he demonstrates his love for each and every one of us. And here in John, it's saying, that's how you're to love each other. So instead, when people are rubbing you the wrong way, you be gracious with them, right? You be patient with them. Whether they deserve it or not, you serve others. You sacrifice for people, whether they deserve it or not. Because guess what? We don't deserve any of that from God. But man, he lavishes his grace on us. His mercies are new each and every morning. 
and he's patient with us, and that's how we are to love one another. Not because I think so, but because God's word says so, and it's for our own benefit, trust me. So it goes on, and it says in verse 12, it says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I hope you guys see through this the awesome love that God has for each and every one of you. He asks them a question. He says, what do you think? What do you think? And then he shares this parable about how God pursues his lost sheep that go astray. We see that even if just one sheep, if, if, if there's a hundred sheep and even just one of them goes astray, that, that God doesn't have this attitude, well, it's just one. I still have 99. Just let it go. That's not the heart of God. He cares and loves each and every one of you so much that he would leave the pack to come after you and find you and rescue you. He cares for his sheep. He cares that his children would not perish. In fact, all over the Bible, you see this imagery used of a sheep and its shepherd. And it even refers to, to uh, Jesus as the good shepherd who loves his sheep and is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And so there's a million examples of, of Jesus being our good shepherd and us being like sheep that, let's be honest, sometimes we go astray. We go down a path that we shouldn't. But the beautiful thing here is that God cares for each and every one of us, no matter where we find ourselves, and that he's always pursuing us. He's always seeking after us. Um, and let's be honest, some of you guys might have that mentality. Well, it's just one sheep, big deal. I've got 99. I've got four children, okay? And so I guess if one of them wandered off, I couldn't find it. I could be like, well, babe, we've got three still, right? Like, this is okay, you know? I mean, let's be honest. So there's days where we would like to downsize, okay? And we'd be like, well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let one of you go, you know? It's just, that's just being honest, okay? But no, if one of my kids goes astray, I'm not like, well, let's just hope they come back, babe. No, you go after them, right? Because you love them, you care about them. Years ago, I was a police officer here in Springfield, and my unit that I worked in at the end, every year, we were responsible for working at the fair, okay? It's an exciting time at the fair. <laughs> but one thing that would happen every single day at the fair, and we had this little substation at the fairgrounds, and parents would come up crying, Johnny's gone. He's wandered off. I can't find him. And it's, I mean, every day it happened because, you know, there's corn dogs and rides and lights everywhere and kids, they just go to those things. But parents would come and they'd be distraught, thinking the worst, right? Somebody has snatched up my child. They're going to take and do who knows what with them, right? And they are just a mess. And so then what we do is we would scatter out through the park. You know, we'd say, see if we get a picture of the kid and we would go and looking for that lost child. And every once in a while, I would accompany the, the parent. And what's interesting, what was always interesting to me is, is I was accompanying that parent looking for the lost child. I was looking diligently. Like, don't get me wrong. I was looking with everything I could to find this child. But that parent had a different kind of zeal and a different kind of just desire to find their lost child. 
and nothing was going to stop them. And you know what? And when they would find that child, the tears and the joy and the embrace, and, and there's probably spankings later, but, um, <laughs> but oh my gosh, the joy. And on the child, too. Because sometimes, you know, as a child, you wander away. It can get scary. And guys, here's the deal. It's the same with God. When you're with the Lord, and then whatever it might be draws you away, and you find yourself sometimes not even realizing, but next thing you know, you are far from God, it can be scary. But know one thing for sure. God is pursuing you with a zeal and a love and a passion like you can't fathom. And you don't have to be afraid to come back to him because when you do, what does it say? You're not going to be greeted with condemnation. You're going to be greeted with rejoicing. And if we're all honest, there are, I guarantee you, there are people here this morning and that's where you find yourself, if you want to admit it or not, where you have gone astray. These are believers, guys. But for whatever reason, they found themselves far from God. But when, remember, when you go astray, God loves you. And he's pursuing you. He's coming after you. He just doesn't say, ah, let him go. Let her go. Big deal. I've got all these others. No. He cares about you, and he loves you more than you can imagine. And he wants nothing more than to welcome you back into his arms. You know, the book of Luke records a similar parable to the one we're studying this morning. Uh, it's a little different in the, in the sense that in our passage this morning, it refers to the sheep as one that's gone astray. Okay, so this is somebody who is a follower of Christ. They've gone astray, whereas if you look in the passage here in Luke 15, it refers to the sheep as lost, meaning it does not know Christ yet. And so let's read that and look at that real quick. After hydration, very important. Okay, it says in this Luke 15, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So here, you see the similarities in this parable, right? But it's slightly different. This shows us, though, once again, God's heart for people. Because guess what? God is the author of life. And he has created each and every person on this planet in his image. And he loves and he cares for them. But the reality is, some are not with him. Some don't know Jesus. They're lost sheep, as it's described here in our text. And those people that are the lost sheep, the reason they are lost is because they need forgiveness of sins. The Bible tells us that in our sins, what we are is dead. The wages of sin is death. The penalty, the punishment for our sin is death. There's lost, right? You guys ever been lost before driving somewhere? Eventually, you're going to figure it out, or you're going to humble yourself and ask directions, whatever, right? But then there's lost, lost. 
Like when you're out in the middle of the wilderness and there is nothing you can do on your own to save yourself. Somebody else, the whomever, whatever agency is going to have to come and try to find you and get you out of there before you die. And that's the kind of lost it's referring to with these sheep. You are lost, lost. And there is nothing you can do to find your way apart from Jesus coming and saving you and rescuing you. In fact, that's the whole reason God even sent Jesus to the earth. And scripture after scripture teaches and tells us that. In Luke 19.10, it tells us, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save. That's his heart. That's why he came. In John 3.17, after 3.16, right, the most famous verse maybe on the planet, it says, For God did not send his Son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but rather, or but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see the heart of God, he loves you. And whether you're a lost, lost sheep that's, that's literally walking like a dead person walking because you don't know Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and life that comes through him, or whether you're a sheep that's wandered, God is always pursuing us. He wants you to have life and to have it abundantly and to have it eternally. And I'll say this, this morning, if you are here and you don't know Jesus, you are the sheep in this parable. You are the lost sheep. And I want to tell you in just very, just short words, because I love you guys and I care about you, that the Bible is very clear when it comes to our sin and what we need to have any sort of solution for our sin. The Bible teaches, and this is what we share with people in Ecuador. This is what Pastor Ron and Michael preach from here because it's the truth. It's the most important thing of the Bible. It's a giant book. It can be confusing, but this is the main point right here, friends. God created everything. He created you, and he loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with, with you, but unfortunately, our sin is what separates us and makes us lost from God. The Bible tells us, and we all know this because it's ridiculous. There's not one perfect person on the planet, right? We've all messed up. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans 3. And so we've all sinned. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 that there's a punishment for our sin. It says for the wages or what you've earned, what you deserve for your sin, for the wages of sin is death. You're lost, lost. You're, you're walking around as a dead person. You're dead in your sins. But then it goes on and it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You see, once again, God, because he loves us, he made a way for us to have forgiveness of those sins and not have to take death upon ourselves. In fact, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it tells us, it says, for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates his love for you by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross. You see, somebody has to pay the price for our sin. That's what it says. The wages of sin is death. That's what we've earned. Well, Jesus died the death that we deserve on that cross. He took the punishment that we deserve for our sins, but the scriptures don't stop there. They say that you must receive this gift. The, the Bible describes Jesus as the gift of God for all mankind. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it tells us that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ, not by works, 
Rather, it is the gift of God. So God, being the good, loving Father, he made a way for us in this gift of Jesus to not have to pay the the, the penalty for our sins, which is death, eternal separation from God. The other way of saying that is hell. But he says he made a way through Jesus to have forgiveness of sins and have eternal life. But we must, the Bible says one thing, yes, it's okay and it's good. And you have to start by understanding that in your head, guys. You have to understand that you're a sinner. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. That it's only by putting your faith, your trust, your confidence, surrendering your life to Jesus. But just to know that is not enough. The Bible tells us that we must receive that gift to have it. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it tells us, Yet for all who received him, he gave the right to be called children of God. There's a receiving, there's a surrendering, giving your life and placing your life in the hands of God and saying, you are the Lord of my life. I am not. I trust you. My life is yours. And the beautiful thing is that the scriptures say that when we do that, that our sins are forgiven, past, present, future, and that you're no longer lost, lost. You've been rescued and saved by Jesus, the Son of God, and you have not only eternal life, you don't have to pay the punishment for your sins anymore because Jesus did that for you on the cross when he shed his blood, but you have eternal life, but also you have abundant life here and now. And John, it says, the thief, Satan, the enemy, he has come to steal and to kill and destroy, but Jesus came that we could have life and have it abundantly. And if you have never given your life to Jesus, no matter how great your life has been, I'm telling you, you do not know life until you know Jesus. And so if you're here this morning, guys, I just want to encourage you. That what, what will you do as a lost sheep is you put on the brakes. Because I'm telling you, he's right there pursuing you. And turn around and give your life to Jesus. Because every person on the planet is trying to answer the same four big questions. Where did we come from? Where did all this come from? What's the purpose of life? What's true? What is not true? And then ultimately, what happens when we die? And none of us are escaping that. And the reality is God made you and he's made a way for you to be in heaven with him for all of eternity where there's no more pain, suffering, where things will be absolutely incredible for all of eternity. So if that is you this morning, guys, I just encourage you. You know how it says when that lost sheep comes and goes to the, to the shepherd, he puts them on his shoulders and there's a big party and everybody rejoices? That's what the body of Christ does. Nobody's gonna look at you. You could have been coming to church for 30 years and never truly surrender your life to Christ. Well, listen, nobody's going to look down upon you for coming to Jesus. There's going to be a party. And that's what the scriptures say here this morning. Well, I got way off. Where on earth are we? Hmm. Okay, well, we'll find somewhere. You know, going back to Going back to our main text, um, it says, you know, if, if there's a sheep that's gone astray, the, the, the Lord, our good shepherd, is going to be pursuing, right? And that's so true and that's so encouraging. Um, and so maybe that is you here this morning. 
maybe you have gone astray, maybe you've walked with Jesus, but the reality is you know in your heart of hearts that the life you're living right now isn't honoring to God, and, and you're calling all the shots, and, and uh, you're far from the Lord. The response is, is the same. Just stop and turn around because the Lord is there. He is there. And I think it's easy when we look at scripture and we look at parables and we think through stuff like this to think, well, that's not me. That's not talking about me. I'm not in that boat. And maybe when you think of a sheep that's wandering or gone astray, you think, oh, that's somebody that's out cheating on their wife or that's somebody that's getting drunk every day or stealing money from work or whatever it might be. But guys, sure, that might be gone astray, but if Jesus isn't the treasure of your heart, that means something has gone astray. If you spend more time and you care and you stress and you worry more about serving your job and your career than you do the Lord, you've gone astray. Sometimes our going astray isn't what we think it is, but it's even just a slight deviation from Jesus being the priority in your life. And you will feel it sometimes because you will feel like you're failing your family, your job, your, your, your kids, whatever it might be, but there will be something in you that feels like something is not right. And sometimes it's because you've gone astray because he's no longer the treasure of your heart. You're forsaken your first love. You're, you're going after the things of this world or the flesh. And guys, it's tempting. And you don't even mean to sometimes. Sometimes your heart can desire to serve God, but there's all these flashy, shiny things around us that want to pull for our attention somewhere else. And next thing you know, you're not where you need to be. But if that's you, man, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. There's an old hymn, many of you guys might know, it's called Come Thou Fount. You know, that, that, that hymn is absolutely incredible. It was written in 1757 by a 22-year-old who'd come to know the Lord, and he was writing just the things that God was teaching him, and his name was uh, Robert Robinson. And one of the, the lyrics of that hymn is this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And the interesting thing is there is, guys, if I'm honest, I feel that sometimes. I'm not proud of it, but I feel it. It can be a big temptation to chase after things that the world says are going to make you happy and satisfy you or that are important. It can be tempting to wander from what God says you're to do or what he's called you to to go after those things. But it's a wandering. And in that hymn, he writes that. The interesting thing is that years and years later, Robert, who wrote that hymn, found himself in that very position. He'd wandered from God. He had wandered from God, and he was in a stagecoach traveling between cities one day, and there was a lady in the stagecoach with him who was humming, Come Thou Fount. And as she was humming that, she began to say the lyrics, and she asked him, What do you think about this song? And his response was this. He said, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. And you know what her response to him was? She said, sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. Isn't that amazing? And it was through his own hymn that he wrote years before about being prone to wander that God used through that woman in that stagecoach to bring him back to the Lord. And if you are here this morning and you have wandered, no matter how little or how far, I'm telling you, God loves you. 
and the streams of mercy are still flowing. They're new each and every day, the word says. So don't be afraid to come and turn back to Jesus because he's not going to greet you with condemnation. He's going to greet you with rejoicing and celebrating and love because that is the God we serve. The streams of mercy are still flowing. In Joel chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's the God that will greet you. Don't be afraid. Don't be too prideful to admit that you've wandered a little bit. And you need to come back to Jesus and walk with him. Because I'm telling you guys, there's no regrets in following Jesus. Zero. God has your best in mind whether you believe it or not. He always does. He knows what's good for you. And the last thing I want to say this morning is if you are a follower of Jesus, share the hope and the love of Jesus with the lost sheep in the world. Every day you come into countless people who are lost, lost. And whether people want to admit it or not, deep down in their hearts they are looking for truth. They know that something is missing because until you have Jesus, just something is not right in your soul, in your core of who you are. And then when you find Jesus, you realize he's everything that you've been searching for and trying to satisfy and fulfill in a million different places. But people are looking and they're searching. And here's the thing. If we're going to truly say that we love people and not despise little ones and all these different things, if we say we love God, and love people like it says on the wall right up here, then we have to share the one who is love with people. It's impossible, and maybe our hearts have gone astray if we say we love God and love people, but you can't remember the last time you shared the love of God with somebody. I don't say that to bring condemnation. I say it because, guys, people need Jesus. I need Jesus. So make sure that you're faithful as a follower of Christ, to share the hope and love of Jesus. Uh, I've got three questions for us because I haven't forgotten. That's important here. So if the worship team actually wants to start making their way up here, I've got three questions. And the first one is this. Are you a lost sheep? Are you a lost sheep? And what I mean by that, are you a person who's never given your life to Jesus? You've never come to the point where you've confessed your sins to God and said, I give you control of my life. And you've experienced the, the hope and the joy and the peace that comes from doing that because God's word is true. And you might wonder how to do that. Well, in Romans, it says very clearly that if you want to go from being lost, lost to, to being saved by the Son of God, the only way that you can be saved, you can't earn your salvation. There's no amount of good works you can do. They're going to make things right between you and God. It's only through Jesus. In Romans 10, in verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But I'm telling you guys, if that's you and you want to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what you're confessing and what you're saying is that you are Lord Jesus. You are in control. I give you my life. You are the Lord of my life. I'm done. I'm going your way, not my own. 
And I'm telling you guys, if you've never done that this morning, there's people in the back afterwards that love to pray with you, talk with you, and just help you through that. But that's what life's all about, coming to God the Father through Jesus. Second question, are you a wandering sheep? Maybe you're here and you just know. It's, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You know what you've been up to. You know you've wandered from what God has for you in your life, and, and you need to just come back to Jesus. You need to hit the brakes, hang a U-turn, and realize that he's right there anyway because he's always pursuing you. And so if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. But don't forget, the wandering isn't always how we think about it, right? We can wander in subtle, simple ways, and then over time, you find yourself so far from God. You know, as a pastor, so many people say, I just feel like God's so far away from me, like so distant. And it's not that, that he's going away from you. You're going away from him. He's always pursuing after you. In fact, the scriptures say, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. And so this morning, if you find yourself in that situation, man, talk to God. Talk to him. Have some people in the back pray with you and just be humble enough to admit, man, I've strayed. I've wandered, but I'm done with that garbage. I want to come back to the Lord. I'm ready to walk with him. And then lastly, are you sharing the love of Jesus with the lost sheep? Guys, I'm telling you, there is no greater way you can love somebody by the, other than sharing with them about Jesus. You can give them the world but yet they could forfeit their soul, right? There's no greater gift. There's no greater demonstration of love that you can show to someone than sharing with them about the God who loves them and made a way for them to have the most incredible, eternal but abundant life that exists. I love you guys. Thank you for welcoming us back so richly and warmly. You guys are awesome. If you'll stand, we're gonna pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, I confess there are so many times just like that hymn, Come Thou Fount, that my heart is prone to wonder. Lord, I do feel it. To chase after the things of this world, to go after the things of the flesh. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that all of our hearts here would just be um, so um, surrendered and in tune to you, Lord, that all the things of this world and the things that pull us away from you would seem like trash in comparison, Father that they would disgust us, in fact, that our hearts and our lives would just be marked by obedience to you, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, fill us up because we can't do it without you, God. We need you. We need you. Fill us up. And Lord, I pray for those that, that maybe have never given their lives to you, Father, and they know they're missing something. They know that, that all of us will face death one day. We all are going to have to stand before you. And that the only thing that we're going to be able to, to do or say that's going to give us forgiveness of sins and eternal life is by saying, I have done nothing, but Jesus did everything for me on the cross. And it's through him that I can stand before you, God. I pray that those people this morning would have the courage to make that decision and experience the life that is found in you, Jesus. And Lord, continue to bless this church, continue to um, just have Emmaus Church be a light to Springfield and beyond, Father, that this church should be marked by growth because the sheep are going out and sharing with the lost sheep about the hope that's found in Christ, Father. Help us all to realize we're all missionaries. We're all called to fulfill that great commission and go and make disciples. So, Father, give us a fire and a passion that uh, is for those very things, Father. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.